Hi, this is Carol Miller from iHeartRadio's Q1043 in New York. On this UK radio podcast, my friends Alan Thompson and Nigel Pierce give you a snippet of real local British radio. This time, Nigel speaks with Ray Laidlaw, original drummer for Newcastle band Lindisfarne, who received a lot of airplay in the U.S. during the Progressive Era. Here, Ray and Nigel are talking about the 50th anniversary of Apple. I said that was one of my, if not my favourite, Lennon recordings, Instant Karma, from the 3rd of March, 1970. Now, we are very lucky this morning. uh, A said gentleman who I've been trying to get hold of for a couple of weeks to uh, participate in this project has very kindly uh, dropped in on the phone to uh, speak to us and it's a voice that some of you listeners may know because we had a wonderful two-hour session with him and his accomplice Billy um, when they played and sang for us for two hours live in the studio I am of course talking of Lindisfarne I'm very pleased this morning to have Ray Laidlaw on the line good morning Ray good morning to you how are you my friend very well indeed thank you very well indeed and uh, let's get the niceties on the way. What's the weather like up there? Is it nice and blue like it is down here? No, it's a bit rainy today, but it's a bit of a relief, to be honest with you. We're not used to, we're not used to all this heat up in the north, you know. I don't think we're used to it down in the south either, but uh, we're not the southern softies, you know, but uh, we, we, we do get uh, fed up with it just as much as anybody else. Now, Ray, you as being one of the cornerstones with Billy of Lindisfarne, who were recording and doing their early stuff around 1970-71 when that particular track came out and I know that you've got a significance because we'll lead on to that when you were at Trident all these years later despite your own career which was absolutely wondrous and is still very much in the flourish of uh, operating what does Apple and the Beatles mean to you and your fellow contemporaries? Well I was fascinated by the whole thing because um, we, we, you know, I loved the Beatles. I, I loved just about everything they did, the whole thing about, I was a perfect age, you know, I was about 14 or something when Please Please Me came out. Perfect age. So uh, when they formed their own company, that was a really exciting prospect for me because I wasn't really aware of any other artists that had done that. I mean, they may well have been, but I certainly wasn't aware of them if, I, if they were. And I just loved the whole point, the whole idea of them doing their own thing. Um, I was particularly fascinated that... Um, I remember that one of the first singles that came out was a thing called Sour Milk Sea by Jackie Lomax. Yep. One of the first Apple singles, uh, George Harrison's um, project. And I remember hearing a rumour that um, all of the Beatles played on on Jackie's track, one of Jackie's tracks, and it was like, as far as I knew, the only track by any third party that all of the Beatles had played on, you know. So stuff like that I was really fascinated by. Okay, now we we sort of jump forward 50 years, and as I said, you've had a fantastic career, and I did see you two years ago with the Lindisfarne story, or just over that in Norwich, which really encapsulated... I mean, mean, you know, it it, it was a failed attempt, you know, the man got there eventually, but in the beginning, I think it was was hoping to put the, you know, the, 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 the record company machinery in the hands of the artists, and I think that was a really brave thing to do. I mean, you know, it was probably a bit naive in lots of ways, but... I just loved the idea of them, you know, all four of them having their own pet projects and being able to bring them into the fold. I mean, it, was, it became a bit so shambolic, I suppose, but but the idea was great. Now, obviously, the thing that obviously that matters to musicians such as yourself is the fact that all through their business troubles and all through their ups and downs and the hassles that went on, they were still able to release peerless recordings whether it was the Beatles or with the artists that were under their control now I think that is a pretty significant fact when we look back at it 50 years on would you not say I think it's brilliant yes absolutely once once the red light went on 
you know, they were the best band in the world again, you know, and they've carried on. I mean, I'm very good friends with a guy called Jeff Wanfor, who um, produced and directed the, the Beatles anthology for TV. Um, and obviously, um, he tells me lots of stories, but um, one of the stories that, that he was told by them was, you know, that regardless of, of, of the business stuff, when they were making music, they gave it 100% and each other's full support. And I think that shows in, this, in the quality of the recordings. That's a very significant point. Now, you've got this somewhat special link because after the Beatles split, I understand that when Harrison was recording or finishing off the album All Things Must Pass at Trident, you were there as well, sort of laying down the cornerstones of Lindisfarne. Is that correct? Or have I been... Yeah, yeah, we, we were making our first album. We were making Nicely Out of Tune and George was upstairs doing some overdubs and All Things Must Pass. I never met him, but Simon, our guitar player, bumped into him a couple of times and you know, small talk, guitarists, small talk, you know, the way they do, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, they do, yep. Yeah, uh, but it was, uh, it was it was great, you know. And we also knew a guy called Terry Doran, who was um, yep. George Harrison's personal assistant, who used to knock around the same pubs and clubs that we did in, in the West End in Soho. Cause the, the entire music industry was in Soho then, you know. Um, so you could, you know, within three or four streets, you could bump into all sorts of people. And t- Terry was a good lad. Apparently, he was the the origin of the meeting a man from the motor trade. He was the second hand car dealer that that line was based on. You know. Yes, <laughs> so, uh, you told me that before, but it's nice for the listeners to listen to it. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So you know, it was good. It was it, and, uh, you know there were other sort of little links like you know Alan White that played on well that instant karma track you just played before. Um, I knew Alan vaguely in those days. You know, he was from the northeast. I, I knew I met him two or three times. Met him uh, our paths crossed on various occasions so that that was another interest interesting thing you know and we always felt we're just one step removed from the whole story you know well you were in there because i think me obviously having seen your lindisfarne story which we'll come to in a minute because obviously i'd like to get something in about what you're doing in the future these recordings are they just there for reminiscing and looking back and thinking how good they were, or do you think in this multi-platinum world that we have today that they've still got a significant role to play? I think the Beatles' rec- recordings are peerless. I really do. I mean, um, the the energy and the you know it's just astonishing. It, you, it, it's the sort of thing that will never happen again. You'll never find a bunch of guys, you know, that will come together and produce a body of work like that again. And don't forget, some of the recording was done in quite primitive situations compared to what people use today. Um, but, I mean, look, you know, the side two of Abbey Road is just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. You know, it's a, there's no, nobody's ever going to better that. Well, that's a very nice thing to say. I know you think it's true because I remember the two-hour session we had down at Future and uh, that was an absolutely wonderful and warm session and I still fondly remember it and I'll never forget it, to be quite honest. But uh, now, obviously, on that day as well, you didn't only talk about yourselves, of which you became a very fine band and uh, toured the world. Now, don't tell me that you hung up your guitars and you've hung up your boots to take it easy by the fireside. A rumour tells me that you're going back on the road again. Well, we are. Well, Billy and I are going out with the Lindisfarne story again next spring, um, doing about, I think, 25 or 30 shows in March and April, which I'm really looking forward to. We've called it um, the Lindisfarne story, a twist in the tale, because things move on, you know, we've got more stories to tell. The, the, um, it's in, we couldn't possibly fit everything in two hours anyway, so there'll be more music, different songs, different stories, uh, but, you know, the same start, the same end, but the rest of it will be new. Um, and we're looking forward to that. But in the meanwhile... Billy and I are involved in a, a theatre project up in the northeast, which we're really excited about. It's a, it a, a very, a very small but very highly rated com- theatre company up here called Live Theatre. Um, people like Lee Hall, who did the Pitman Painters, and Billy Elliot came through there. You know, and most of the big name 
uh, North Eastern actors, Tim Healy and Denise Welch, all those people came, came through live theatre. Um, and the, the director of live theatre has been trying to put together some sort of a vehicle to use some of Alan Hull's songs for many, many years. And we've eventually done it. And it's going to, this play is coming on, going to be um, produced and staged in um, October, November this year. It's called Clear White Light. It's a contemporary drama set in a psychiatric hospital in Newcastle. Um, Alan spent two or three years as a psychiatric nurse. So it's inspired by the work of Alan Hull, but it's not, it's not about him. It's about now, but it's also linked with sort of gothic horror. Um, so it's a really interesting piece and a fantastic vehicle for the songs. It sounds like real pot-boiling mixture. Now, you've mentioned also the Lindisfarne story, which I will sort of uh, tab on and say that was a brilliant experience some two and a half years ago that you came down. Are you coming near Norwich again with it? To be honest with you, I can't really remember. You know, I, I can't remember. I don't think we're coming into the neck of the woods this time around. But, um, we know, there'll be another one after that. There'll be another two. We try and vary it, you know. We, don't, we always try and do a few different places every time we go out. Oh, that's fantastic. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was such a moving story, and obviously the stories of working with Bob Coleman and everything else, yes, they'll all be gold, etc. All I can say is a final wrap. Um, is there any particular song or time, Alan, from the Apple stuff that you remember that you say, yeah, that was abs- you know, that's the one, that's it. Every time I hear that, wherever I am, I think of Apple or I think of the Beatles or I think of what we were doing at the time. Is there any particular song that sort of brings that to mind? I love them all, but I think I'd go back to Sound Milk Sea by Jackie Lomax because I think all the Beatles played on that, you know, in disguise, which, which I love. Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, can I thank you very much for cutting the time this morning? It's wonderful. You don't know how much it is. Well, maybe you do. You don't know how wonderful it is to actually talk to you so, and to find that uh, you're in such fine form. And please give our regards to Billy. Um, I will. I'll be seeing him later today. I'll tell him. And uh, you'll get a copy of this through, Dave. So thank you once again, Ray. And uh, it's nice to know that as a fellow group, Lindisfarne, and everything that you achieved, you still hold the Beatles so dear to you. Absolutely. Always will. Thank you very much, Billy. And uh, may you have the glorious rest of the day. Thanks a lot, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Billy. Bye-bye. Well, there we go. That's uh, Ray Laidlaw uh, from Lindisfarne. And those thoughts are truly, truly important of what Apple means some 50 years later. That was Nigel Pierce speaking with veteran British drummer Ray Laidlaw of the folk band Lindisfarne. See you next time with more UK Radio.